Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January 26th, the Shoplifting Snitch Edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column. I'm mom to Naima, who is nine and three quarters, and we live in Los Angeles. And I'm Carvel Wallace, a writer and podcaster based in Oakland, California, and also the new co-host of Slate's How To. And I'm the father to Georgia, who is 17, and Ezra, who is 19. Welcome Welcome back to the show, Carvel. Happy to be here. Those words just came tumbling out automatically like they lived in my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they never leave. They never leave. Carvel was my predecessor on Mom and Dad Are Fighting. I replaced him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think, because that was 2018, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was 2018. I don't know what time is. Like, why are you putting me in the spot trying to figure out time? I can't do that. That's beyond my skill set. (laughs) Every day is one day. That's all I know. (laughs) One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. (laughs) And on this day, uh, we've got an interesting question about a group of freshman girls who won't stop shoplifting makeup. Our letter writer is mulling over if she should let their parents know or if she should just keep quiet. Then, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to dive into the great sleepover divide. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Jamila said it before, there's this weird like letting go that is the long game of parenting it's like you let go of the rope piece by piece bit by bit and sometimes the moment of letting go is like you're afraid and you're not sure about it but you still do it and i did that with my kids i don't know if it was always the right decision i mean ezra told me recently that when i sent him to a sleepover one time at this kid's house they all snuck out they were like in fourth grade they all snuck out and went to jack in the box at like midnight which is like way and i just was like you and your dumb friends were like wandering around (laughs) in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like, that's a terrifying thing. But the thing is, when I look at my own childhood, I was doing all kinds of stuff that if my parents knew I was up to, they would be terrified. That's part of the thing of it. Being a Slate Plus member means that you get a bonus segment from us each week, unlimited access to the Slate website, and perhaps best of all, zero ad interruptions. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash dad. Plus, okay, we're going to dive into our triumphs and fails of the week, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All right, we're back. Carvel, would you like to go first? Yes, uh, I'm going to go with a fail um, because they're so much more interesting than triumphs. This just happened a couple, like a few months ago. As some of you may know, my son Ezra has graduated from high school and moved to New York City. He's not in college. He just decided to move to New York City, saved up a bunch of money from his various jobs, and he decided to go there and just take a crack at life. He doesn't really have a plan. He's got some subsidized housing through a family friend for now, and he's just out there doing it. And it's terrifying, but I also, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I'm happy for him. So, um... I was out there visiting a couple months ago and um, he's living in this apartment and it's, he's got nothing. His like, his, you know, cans of beans are on the floor. I mean, he's living, oh you know, gosh. like a 19 year old living. On his own. So at some point I said, uh, I des- developed this plan that I was going to like take him shopping at Ikea and at the grocery store. And I was going to do this big thing where I was going to set up his whole space for him. 
and I had been at Ikea the day before and I was like, picked out some shelves and oh, this will be good for the thing. And you could, th this will be good for a pantry. I had this whole vision. So I told him, yeah, tomorrow, son, like leave your day clear. You and me are going to go to Ikea and we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to get everything done. It's going to be this thing. And he's like, oh, okay, dad, sure. And I have this vision in my mind that it's going to be this great day of like father, son bonding, setting up. Mm -hmm. We're putting together lamps. We're putting together dressers. We're laughing. We're bonding. And all of my excitement, I failed to notice that he was kind of like resistant and maybe even a little quiet about stuff. He just wasn't as excited as I thought he was. And so finally, at some point, we got to these little Ikea carts that were like $19 a pop that I just knew up and down were going to be like the key to making his whole kitchen work. And I was feeling so proud. You know, I've lived on my own since I was 17 years old. Okay. I'm 48. And so I have a lot of pride in my ability to be like a functioning adult. Like, you know, even when the kids were little, I was a stay at home mm -hmm. dad. I ran the kitchen. Like I'm like Mr. Homemaker and I have all this pride in it. And I was just so excited to pass this on to my son, you know? And so I didn't notice that he was kind of resistant. And so when I whipped out the plan about these Ikea, like sort of rolling cart things that he could use as a pantry, he was just like, well, why do I need those? And I'm like, I, I, because you do. And he's like, but why? And this like little fight started and it turned into this big fight. And I could not figure out why this kid was like mad at me. Like I'm paying for everything. I'm sharing all this knowledge. Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. And we're like, the tensions are getting high and we haven't fought in a long time because at a certain point I just started treating him like you're an adult. Like you're, I'm not going to fight with you anymore. Like you're, you know what I mean? You're not 14. Like we're, I'm not trying to get you to do your homework anymore. And you're on your own. So like, it felt a little bit weird to be in like conflict with what is kind of this grown man at this point. And then at some point he just said, dad, you never even asked me if I wanted to do this. Like you never even asked me. And I was like, mm. oh my God, he's right. Like I never even asked him. He was like, you can't talk to me like this. I'm not a child. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, of course you're a child. You're just a baby, a <laughs> newborn babe out there in the world. But what I realized in that moment is that he was right. I had come with this whole vision that was just like based on me being in charge, domination control, here's what I'm gonna do. You just step back, dad's gonna handle everything. And that he wasn't there for that and he wanted to collaborate. And that's why he was getting mad at me. And he just said it like straight, like, you can't talk to me that way. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I can't. I'm so sorry. Like my bad, you know? And then after that, it was cool. Like we went, got the stuff. He turned out he was really into the Ikea trays. <laughs> he was like, these are actually really helpful. I'm, you know, and we had like a normal thing, but it was just, mm. I like really, I like really fell into the trap of just like sliding into this dude's life and trying to like dominate and control and manage it because I felt that I had all this wisdom and he needed it. Parenting kids who are adults is different than parenting little kids. That's all. Once you, you gave each other permission to, to proceed as you were like, did, did you still come at it with like, oh, you should get this thing for the kitchen? Or were you more open to like, what do you think you should have to organize your spatula? Well, what's interesting is that he changed like he was more open to it because he felt like he was willing to hear it the thing i've really been impressed with him that he can do that i can't is he can change his attitude on a dime like i get stubborn and stuck in something mm. and so if my ego's hurt i'm gonna be even if i know you're right i'm still gonna grump around for a good little while before i finally come through mm. and he can just say what's on his mind and if he feels like it's been heard he'll drop it and that's what he did in that conversation. Like he was all tense and weird and conflictual. And then finally he said what he needed to say. I heard it. I acknowledged it. And then he was done. Like it was no more conflict. It was like, okay, so what do you think I should get? You know, 
I don't know. It just like changed the whole vibe. It's like he just needed to be acknowledged in this particular way. And to his credit, he advocated for that acknowledgement so clearly. He's growing up. Parenting from babyhood is like stepping back slowly, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. stepping further and further back. Mm-hmm. And it is a terrifying act. I'm sitting here ready to have an anxiety attack. Just the <laughs> idea of my daughter being 19. I really have gone through all the ways that I'm not prepared for it. And, yeah. you know, that I, that I, I uh, God, yeah. it's really scary. You. <laughs> yeah. Will he just call you and check in? Yeah, he does call me. He calls me a lot because he, he needs help with a lot of things like how do I fill out this 1099 just what what should I do with this chicken is this chicken still good it was frozen and then it wasn't frozen now you know stuff like that mm-hmm. and so he does call me for advice a lot and we have a standing Sunday phone call that we always do that's where we just like freeform we just, he just goes off on whatever he's thinking about and we talk about just whatever stuff and it's really nice it's like really nice right now by the way, 1099s and chicken, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing with either <laughs> of those. They're such adult things. How would you know that? How would you know what to do with <laughs> how those How would things? I know? <laughs> Jamila, how about you? What went on this week? So I think I mentioned in the last episode that I've been having a bit of a tough time and got some very kind emails from listeners. Thank you. You are always so oh. sweet. But one of the challenges that I'd been having prior to Thursday the 12th uh, was that I wasn't writing on a regular basis. As you all know, I'm working on a book and I'd had like a hardcore month of between the holidays and just kind of writer's block, you know, like just not writing. It was bad, you know, like my deadline is this summer and I've got a lot of it done. So it's not, you know, that I'm necessarily off off but you know this book is a living breathing thing that has to be delivered by a certain time and I need to be consistent with it you know um, I understand that not every writing day is going to be a good writing day but more often than not I should be writing and I just was not writing and not writing you know much else either aside from the column I do for Karen feeding um, which I've been consistent with uh, since 2018 and I'm proud of that um, but anyway uh On the 12th, I started this ritual that I've used in the past of meditating and then journaling and then writing. And I wrote 1,400 words. And the next day, I wrote 1,500. And since then, I have written every working day, uh, with the exception of Monday the 16th, because my daughter was off of school. But I've written every day, whether it was for the book or an article. Uh, And I've written an article for another publication. I did a freelance piece and I hadn't been doing those very often. I need to be doing them more often now. Um, But I was trying to be committed to the book. And I wrote my slate column for this week early and I wrote some jokes and I just wrote. And so I feel good uh, as a writer right now. Like, I feel like I'm in it. And that's really significant because for a while I was not, and it was very scary. And then like the act of getting back on the horse becomes so anxiety inducing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just goes on and on. But I think I'm back. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice work. Yeah. Thank you. I super relate to that. It is really hard especially after a long period of not writing to get back on. Like every time I don't write for like a, a couple of days, a week or so, 
I start writing and I'm like, wait, what, what are words? Like, how do you write? What's this sentence? I have no idea what's going on. It's so stressful. So I, I just, I really feel that struggle. And I'm, I think you're doing, first of all, when I was writing my book, which is still in edits, but I was told by everyone I knew that no one turns their book in on time. Yeah. And I can't figure out if that was, if I needed to hear that or if I didn't need to hear that because. Oh, yeah. I'm you definitely know what I'm not. Saying? July does not represent on time, by the way, of where <laughs> okay, the ori- okay. book was originally due. This is okay, the new deadline. This go. is the deadline that Mama has to make. That's so what she I like. Can to get hear. her check. Okay. You okay. Know, right. Because yeah. that, that's it becomes the other thing is that you don't get the check and now you're out here broke and then you have to keep yeah. taking this. Is what happened to me. And then I had to keep taking freelance articles that I was like, yep. kind of so so on because I needed to keep the lights on, which then got in the way of me writing the book and it becomes yep. the cycle. So I'm, I'm there with you. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Thank you. I have uh, a little triumph in the wake of a bit of a failure. As our listeners know, Ami especially, my two-year-old, but Noah even sometimes too, has trouble sleeping. And last night was one of those nights where it was like, Noah was up at 12.30, and then Ami was up at 1.30, then Noah was up at 2. They were just trading off being a pain in the butt, Yikes. you know? Um, and fortunately, neither of them were sick. They just like weren't sleeping well um we've gotten back into not a great habit of ami will he can like sleep till four and then we go in there when he starts crying and he like won't let us leave he's like lay down lay down it's so cute and he's so cuddly um and then if we try to leave he'll just like wake right back up so like one of us is like sleeping in there with him from four to seven which isn't isn't great for his sleep training but it's kind of nice so it was a pretty sleepless night. I read some Carvel Wallace archival work when I couldn't go back to sleep. And then finally this morning, Noah woke up like an hour before she usually does. And often when she wakes up before Shira and I are up, she will like come in and ask for the TV or for the iPad. And if we're too exhausted, we sometimes let her do it. But this morning I was like, no, if you want to be up right now, you can go and read in your room. And she did. Mm. She went and uh, turned her lamp on. She went to the bathroom by herself, and she was reading. Um, you know, looking at looking at her books. She's uh, she can identify letters. So there was the triumph in her actually going and and heeding that call to not watch the iPad, but actually, you know, just entertain herself, which she also has a hard time with, but is getting better mm-hmm. at. Um, and then also, she was like, when when I did get up, she's like, I want to start. I want to actually learn how to read. I don't want to just do picture books. So that was exciting too, that she's like jazzed about learning to read. And so it, it kind of made the sleepless night a little bit better, you know, having watched her make that, that leap of maturity, um, which was really the first time I think that she's, she's done that. So it's amazing how many of the triumphs that, we have in the show we're just like my kid agreed to do something <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the kid just my kid agreed yes. to let me Child shop for furniture yes. with him <laughs> to my will they're in charge yes <laughs> well on that note we're going to take another quick break see you back here in a minute We are back and ready to hear our listener question, which is being read by the wonderful Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, my high school freshman daughter told me that two of her friends like to shoplift items from Sephora. They will go in a group or alone and walk out with things they didn't pay for. They justify it by saying the company makes so much money, they won't miss the items they take anyway. 
One family is upper middle class, the other more well off. So essentially, neither kid needs to steal. My daughter told the girls they need to stop. What if they get caught? Don't they feel guilty, etc.? But that hasn't changed anything. I know the moms from an after-school activity. We are friendly, but not friends. If my kid was stealing, I would want to know. But a big part of me thinks that this is going to turn into a shoot-the-messenger situation if I say something to the parents. How would you handle this? All right. <laughs> um, yeah, my answer is going to suck, but uh, I think you kind of got to stay out of this one. Mm. These... Uppity heifers will destroy your child socially. It is not worth it. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe if you were friends with the women, the burning desire to tell my friend, you know, here's what's going on with your daughter might change my answer. And even then I'd save like, but you cannot let them find out that my daughter told you like that is incredibly important you know like you have to look through some you know look through her makeup ask her how she got stuff follow her to sephora whatever you do to bust her you cannot let my child take the fall for this because as much as these girls deserve to be punished you know like and there's some tricky variables like if these are girls of color like what getting arrested could mean for them you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they're so them getting in trouble is kind of a precarious thing but regardless of their background while they deserve to be held accountable i don't think your daughter needs to suffer for that happening and so unless you know for a fact that you can trust these women not to tell which you don't because you don't know these people I think you should stay out of it. I mean, if you really want to be a superhero about this, if you're so pressed, you can try to find a time where they're in Sephora and like just go snitch on them. Wait, find a time when they're in Sephora and go snitch on them to, to Sephora staff. Ooh, okay. You know, or just roll up on them. Be like, yeah. I know you and I just saw you steal that lipstick. You yeah. know? Just catch yep. them right outside the right outside the shop. In a perfect world, you could just confront the kids yourself. Like, look, I'm not getting in this with your parents for now, but you need to stop. But I mean, whatever, because they might just pay you lip service to your face and keep on stealing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Carvel? I tend to. Agree, I mean, I tend to agree with everything Jamila said. Like, the, my thir- first thought is like, well, if are these white kids or are they not? Because if they are, that's one thing. If like my black daughter and her black friends were shoplifting, I probably would feel like I would want to tell the other parent because like it has the potential to not just be like, oh, kids are being kids. Like this could turn into something that is like real serious for people real quick. Mm -hmm. So I think, and I I would expect that other parents of color would appreciate that, you know. But no, Jamila's exactly right. Like this thing where one kid becomes like the snitch in a group and the other parents find out because of one kid, that, like the repercussions of that go on forever. And I know this from experience yeah. because we had that exact same thing when my kids were in their teens and something was going on and my son mentioned it to me and it was like troubling. So I mentioned it to a parent and then the parent like a reacted terribly, but B my son just experienced just years of like everyone being like, you can't fucking tell him anything. He'll fucking tell his dad right away, blah, blah. And oh. I just was like, Oh my bad. son. <laughs> you know, like my bad. And it was like, a, it was a safety situation. So I still feel fairly okay about mentioning it but i did see how how that ostracized him for a long time and yeah you don't want to, your your daughter doesn't deserve that this is assuming your daughter's not out there shoplifting too which i you know everyone it's always the other kids it's never your kid it might be your kid too mm-hmm. i mean 
I tend to think that shoplifting in general from like a huge corporation is like people may kill me for saying this. I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world for a kid to do. Um, it's not ideal, but I also don't think it's like something where there has to be an immediate intervention. I would mostly leave alone. I would tell my, my daughter, like, uh, if I ever catch you doing this, there's consequences. I'm not leaving that alone. So just be on your guard. But outside of that, like these kids are going to do what they're going to do. And if they end up having to like deal with security and having authorities get involved, then that's kind of on them. Yeah. I mean, the big factor, like you mentioned, Jamila, is that this parent is not friends with the people. It would be a totally, I think it would be a totally different situation if they were. And also it does seem, of course, we don't know uh, if the daughter's telling the truth, but it seems like your daughter is telling the girls they need to stop. What if they get caught, et cetera, that like, that's a triumph. <laughs> you know, your kid's not stealing. Your kid is, uh, you know, has a sense of, has a sense of ethics there. So if that's true, then like, I don't know that's, you're kind of coming out in a, in a good spot there. And it's good to know that your child, I mean, you know, again, if they're being on the up and up now, you two plant that seed in my head. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. This kid could be in on it. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> I didn't. I know I didn't think so either. I just, I just trusted that this parent knows their kid. But it, it, it's good that your child trusts you to tell you things like this. You know, yeah. and hopefully they'll continue to trust you to tell you things that are troubling. And if you there is a, a mm-hmm. time where you have to intervene, you simply must intervene. But you know, better to establish your. This is a good low hanging fruit. You know, way for you to establish yourself as a safe space without there being a lot at risk here. Yeah, I I want to echo that. That does indicate that like you you have a fairly good relationship with your kid that that they would bring this up and they would like you know have this conversation with you and seek your input and advice on that because um, that's really what it is. And when I say the kid might be in on it, I don't know that the, like necessarily the ringleader, but uh, you know, oftentimes my experience with teenagers is that. They will tell sort of 80% of the truth, but there'll be a little extra 20% Mm -hmm. that they keep in the back pocket. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. like that could be the case here too. So not to suggest that this kid is like secretly some kind of a criminal mastermind, but the kid's self-reporting has them as like this angelic figure, like, how dare you in the eyes of the Lord, like steal, you know what I mean? And it's like, maybe it's a little bit more complicated than that, but on the whole, the kid is like trying to do the right thing and is unsure how to handle the situation. And so is the parent. And I think you kind of have to leave it alone and just worry about your own kid and make sure your kid knows that there will be significant consequences if they get further into this. Pay attention to your child's makeup collection, you know, just be aware of of what's there and, you know, how much you're giving them, if they have an after school job or not, you know, Mm -hmm. like how they might be acquiring makeup Mm -hmm. Um, because I didn't boost, but there were boys who did in my class Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure I got something at some point, you know what I mean? So. She might be getting things from them, which I'm also like, that is so not a crime. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but um, just pay attention because that, you know, that could certainly be a gateway into getting involved with it herself, you know, to just take things and be like, wow, this is what I get from just being a friend of a booster. Imagine Mm. if I started taking things myself. Well, thank you so much for writing in. If you have any advice for our letter writer, we're all ears. Send us a voice memo or email to momandad at slate.com. And that's it for our show. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Audio at Slate. For Jamila Lemieux and Carvel Wallace, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. 
All right, Slate Plus listeners. So there's been a lot of discussion about sleepovers lately, though the debate to sleep over or not is certainly not a new one. It seems like this iteration seems extra fraught, which begs the question, why? So Jamila or Carvel, like what's going on? Why is there all this public debate over whether or not parents should allow their kids to go to sleepovers? Well, I mean, sleepovers have always been controversial, you know, like that's not something that's entirely new. Um, But at least in my experience, um, but it seems that in recent years, parents are getting more hesitant about, you know, trusting strangers. You know, there's a lot of information in the media and worst case scenarios and people are frightened. I'm heartened to see society catch up with my mother because, like, <laughs> I can count the number of sleepovers I went to. She was not about that life. Um, so I. What about it? Was she not about? Uh, strangers, particularly men, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I was so fearful of men growing up. Like, I don't know that my mother even considered the possibility that a woman could have been stranger danger. You know, I was just not to be around men by myself. So if you spend the night at so-and-so's house, and that usually happened after years of trust, you know, you're never alone with her father. You know, there's no reason for you and her father to be alone. Like she just was so, I I think that was really it. I think, you know, something happening to me um, like that was her biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up going to sleepovers, Carvel? Um, it, like, it, not a huge amount, and probably for similar reasons. I mean, I had I had cousin sleepovers. Like, I had enough sleepover activity available to me without having to go with strangers. So, like, we had sleepovers, but I didn't. You know, for a lot of reasons, I didn't spend a lot of time at just like random kids' houses. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think to answer your question, like a lot of this is stoked because TikTok, and I don't mean like it. It's become the problem doesn't exist because of TikTok, but the trendingness of it probably does because TikTok is really good at like identifying and boosting like fears. Like, I mean, it's one of the things that the the platform is just extremely effective at. In general, we're moving away from like uh, viewing parenting as a communal act. Um, We're generally less communal in our culture than we have been. And I'm not saying that we should just be everyone's all a family i think that there's a lot of factors at play that make it that like you don't really trust your neighbor you don't really trust the people in your community you don't really know who like the parents of this other kid are even if this kid and your kid are friends in like on the playground you don't really know who the parents are and and that becomes more of a thing and so there's less trust for how sleepovers are supposed to work that's to answer the question why like should it be that way I I don't know. I'm glad I don't have little kids right now to have to think about it. You know, I really don't. And I and I know when my kids were little, there were so many decisions that I made that felt risky. But I made them because it was like, well, I guess I can't keep them locked up forever kind of thing. But it was terrifying. And um I think that some percentage of parenting is that mm-hmm. is taking that risk, some small percentage. Uh, otherwise you n- never let them do anything and you know but i think it's just a small percentage of it and i think that we live in a time now where there's a lot of fear in general because there's a lot of bad things <laughs> that are visible in general and so it makes sense to me that those fears are finding themselves manifesting through the way that we parent our children and how we navigate our children through community um it makes I mean, sense. your kids were sleepover age you know very recently what at what point did they start asking to go to sleepovers and how did you handle it 
Well, they, I mean, sleepover age was like, they started asking, you know, like little, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. As soon as they had friends that, that they were at school with, then sleepovers were an option. And, uh, you know, I, for the most part, like when they were younger, I definitely made a big deal of like getting to know the parents. Like yeah. we would like talk to each other on the phone. This is something I picked up from the older folks in my family. Like you don't just send your kid to some random person. You yep. talk to them, you get to know them. You maybe have like some kind of arrangement with all of you at the same time. Um, before you even get to that state, you, you pick very carefully who are going to be your sleepover people. You're, you're not just going to send your kids off randomly as they get a little older and you're able to have like trust that they can communicate and navigate their way through the world in terms of stranger danger that they know how to like be in touch with you, especially once we had cell phones on the scene and whatever, then I was a little bit like, I was a little bit riskier. Like, Hey dad, I want to, it's Friday night. Instead of you picking me up from fifth grade, can I go to Caleb's house and have a sleepover? Uh, I guess let me talk to Caleb's mom, you know, like, but sure. Like, I don't really know Caleb's parents that well, but I guess you're going to do that. Jamila said it before. There's this weird, like letting go. That is the long game of parenting. It's like you let go of the rope piece by piece, bit by bit. And sometimes the moment of letting go is like you're afraid and you're not sure about it, but you still do it. And I did that with my kids. I don't know if it was always the right decision. I mean, Ezra told me recently that when I sent him to a sleepover one time at this kid's house, they all snuck out. They were like in fourth grade. They all snuck out and went to Jack in the Box at like midnight, which is like way. And I just was like. You and your dumb friends were like wandering around <laughs> in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a terrifying thing. But the thing is, when I look at my own childhood, I was doing all kinds of stuff that if my parents knew I was up to, they would be terrified. That's part of the thing of it is that they are always going to be doing stuff that you know is terrifying. And really, you can't keep them from it. Your job is to just parent and and role model and keep the lines of communication open with them in such a way that you trust that they have some type of common sense that they can navigate their way through situations that may be sketchy. I don't have a solid answer for it. Like it's hard and it sucks. That's the thing. Like I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, how long do you think it takes to get a vibe about some kid's parent? Like are you guys, I, I tend to just like trust people I, perhaps more than I should, but I've never been burned by it. Um, but I also, my kids haven't, entered this age yet so we'll see naima was recently invited to her first sleepover uh what would have been her first sleepover <laughs> and i actually said yes but my condition was that i had to meet the mother you know or who mm. was hosting them and this was going to be at a hotel which the idea was a little scary to me you know but i'm like okay i'm familiar with the family like you know i just want to meet the mom and check in um this is a child my daughter talks about a lot i know the other kids that are going to be there you know but the party was canceled because everybody else's mama said no <laughs> And I was so relieved and it's allowed me to step back to my initial inclination about sleepovers, which is to say no, to just say that this is not worth it. You know, like it is my job to keep my child alive, you know, and I don't know how good other people are at keeping children alive, you know, and like it's terrifying to me. But then again, who knows? The next time she actually get asked, I might say yes again, you know, because I want to believe the best of people, you know, but um oh no, man. I went to I want to say two sleepovers as a child. 
And my mother knew like both the parents, you know, not intimately, but had talked to them and seen them at the school. That's the other thing. Like I mentioned this on a previous episode. I don't interact with Naima's parents the way I did when we were in New York, you know, where mm. we would see each other. Yep. Um on a regular basis because we were walking in and out the school, you know, like yep. in New York, we were on foot. So there's yep. no car drop off mm. lane in California. Yep. There's no, you know, I only see people at assemblies. There are not a ton of birthday parties. You know, Naima had one last year and I met a few parents, but like I haven't seen them since. Yeah. I mean, the ideal thing, cause I do think sleepovers are important and good, you know, like as a thing, like for the kids development I'm talking about. And the ideal thing is to have, a small group of people that you build trust with over time. And I'm not saying that that's easy to do, but I think, you know, that's what we benefited from. We like, we had like one or two parents who were like family friends from the get go and they were the sleepover parents. And so like their kid would come over here, our kids would go over there. And that's just, and that, that helped. It was, it's, it was much harder when my kid would just be like, oh, I'm randomly friends with yeah. this kid now and I want to sleep over their house. And it's just like, what the hell? Like, I don't know these people. But again, so much of parenting is like, like I sent them off to summer camp and, you know, they had like independent experiences, but they also had things that I was worried about. And it seems like everything went fine, but who knows? Maybe I'll find out in three years that things weren't fine. And I, you know, it's like, I just, as a parent, you just don't know for sure. And I understand why some parents opt to just never take the risk. That wasn't how we did it, but I understand why some parents do that. And I also understand there's the there's the parents who are like, I want to be the the host because at least I know that you know I I can trust myself. So right. if my kid wants to have kids right. sleep at our house, I can be that. Um, which also might be a nice gateway to um, into the sleepover world if you do want to, you know, let your kid get into it a little bit more. Man, hell no. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want are kids in my house. No, thank you. No. Um, Naima's brother used to spend the night over here, and that was a lot. <laughs> you know, that was a whole lot. Bless his heart. It was nice having, you know, a kid here for her to play with, but I prefer a play date. You know, a mom, a child, <laughs> a me, a Naima. We have some hours together, maybe share a meal, and we move forward with our lives to our respective get in, homes. Get them in, get them out. Well, uh, Slate Plus, thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here on Monday, and be sure to join us on Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>